You want to talk about the things I've done, but I'm reclaiming my time. Yeah, you want to speak on the battles I've won, yeah. but I'm reclaiming my time. Ooh, all right. well, that's not why I brought you here to share it. I'm reclaiming my time. Yeah, don't read my resume because I was there. I'm reclaiming my Hi, I'm Sada. And I'm Sada. And this is No Sir, No Ma'am, a weekly podcast where we drag our timelines for being trash. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Twitter at NSNM Podcast or with the hashtag NSNM. Um, you can also email us at nosternomam at gmail.com or send us your <clears throat> um, life quandaries at nosternomam.saraha.com and we will hashtag fix your that life. Or at um, least attempt to. We will. Yeah. We don't, no, we make like zero guarantees. Please just keep that in mind. Um, any disclaimers? None. I'm um, tired and I'm really okay. hungry. Wow. And I'm just, I've had a really horrible day and I can't, oh. like, I'm, I'm done. But I'm, I'm just. What about you, Sada? <laughs> My disclaimer is you might be. Uh, hearing sounds of screaming children in the background, please ignore. Uh, we have new intro-outro music um, inspired by the glorious Maxine Waters and her uh, now famous video where she reclaims her time. Yeah, I've seen that. In a hearing. But I, <laughs> <coughs> Look the at you, Sara, coming up with like new intro, outro music. Just every every week you get one. You get Everybody gets one. I hope you don't get sued by this dude, but his name is Broder Greer and he um, posted it on Twitter. It's a gospel version of Reclaiming My Time. You have heard it by oh, now excellent. since you are listening to this po- portion of the podcast and it, it's excellent. glorious. I'm so excited. Um, anywho... <clears throat> Let's get right into it. The last two weeks have been hashtag white women trash. Uh-huh. And it's just been, uh, listen, I'm just going to dive right into it because it's been... Oh, is that what we're doing? Oh, yeah, okay. that's exactly what we're doing. Um, okay. I haven't been much on social media, mm-hmm. uh, so I haven't really heard about all of this. So I'll just let you, like... Cool. Let us know what it's about. All right. Well, <clears throat> first of all, I'd like to shout out um, Rama for sending us both of these stories that we're about to cover today, or two of the three stories that we're about to cover today. Um, mm-hmm. She's been official you know, trash squad. Oh yeah, Thanks, she's totally girl. inducted in the, into the trash squad because okay. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> follow her at Rama Moosh. I don't know if she wants you to follow her, but there it is. Um, <clears throat> so the first story I come to you today was, um, published in the Daily Mail, which as we all know, or might not know, is a no! trash <laughs> British publication, so you're just prepared. Just like off top, no, <laughs> we're not doing this, not the Daily Mail. Unfortunately, <gasps> we are. <clears throat> and, um, the title of the article reads, A Corner of Wiltshire where the Raj never died. (sighs) Enchanting tale of the Countess and the Indian who's devoted his life to her family for 60 years. Now, okay, before I give you a little synopsis of 
this garbage. I just want to read the three bullet points that they have underneath the title of the article. Please do. Because, like, I looked at this. I don't remember who posted it mm-hmm. on my time. I don't know. But I, like, I glanced at it. I saw that picture and I was like, no, not today. Not yeah. ever. I am not doing this. So um, I didn't even read, but please go ahead. Unfortunately, I did. And <laughs> I wish I hadn't. So bullet Thanks, point Anna. number one. Doing the good work. Yeah. Bullet point number one is uh-huh. they are one of the most devoted couples you could ever hope to meet. Okay. But June Bedini and Mutukana Shamugam have never even shared food. I just want to remind you that the first bullet calls them a devoted couple. and I'm confused already. Thirdly, she is a highly intelligent countess. And Mutu is her loyal Indian, quote unquote, houseman. (gasps) (laughs) Listen, to give you a a synopsis of the article. I knew there was a good reason I didn't want to read that. Oh, yes. I, I couldn't. Like, it was. So yesterday when I was reading through this to collect my thoughts, to drag it, I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through it and then I'm going to pick some excerpts or whatever, or I'm just going to talk about it generally and then we're going to discuss. This article well, you're a better person than I am. is so ridiculous that I don't even know what to pick. Like everything is worth reading. The whole, I just want to read the whole article. Obviously I'm not going to do that, but... Please. You know what? I have nothing to say. <laughs> it's it's so much worse than you could ever imagine. I so have the, nothing. The article is about this lady, this countess lady, quote unquote, mm-hmm. who um, lives in some podunk town, I guess, in England with um, this Indian man who has been with them for, as they said, 60 years. Mm-hmm. And the article is written in a way that sort of like romanticizes this and makes you feel oh my god this is so oh wow it's such a simple way of life and you know it's so classy and whatever and it's the good old days like this whole good old days oh, vibe girl. is in there and I'm just like are we are uh, we Flynn, I I saw I just like I said I like glanced at that article and I was like, this is a colonial wet dream, and I am oh, not yeah. partaking in this. Fully. I cannot. Let like, me just give you one piece of information to put everything in context before I start to read the bullshit that, the, that is in here. Okay. The woman is 91, 92 years old. Right. Her Indian quote-unquote houseman is 82. No. <laughs> no. Just no, uh, no, no, Sarah, just, no, just the, Stop. out the gate, out the gate. Just the man, no, the man, I is cannot do this today. Basically, a house servant, and he's 80 years old. Why is that legal? What is ha- what is this? Listen, what is mm. retirement? What is, what is what is a pension plan? What is, what is enjoying that, like your twilight? Why? Years what? No, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so the article starts giving you that bullshit line of them <sighs> being the most met. devoted couple you could ever hope to meet. 
For the past 60 years, they have lived contentedly together and still care for each other in genuine affection. Nothing is too much trouble for him. Indeed, without her, his life would have little purpose. No. I'm sorry, what now? Okay, no, no. See, like, for no, we're not doing this today. Sarah, no, no. My biggest issue with this article is with the Daily Mail for this upcoming line. For theirs is a relationship like none other. A throwback to a different era, completely Mom! at odds. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> completely at odds with today's touchy-feely informality, which sees hospital patients addressed by their first names and shop assistants more likely to call you mate than sir. Ma'am. Ma'am. Let's Madam, not, uh, let's what is this? That the man is 80 and still... Um, serving this crotchety heifer like i just i don't (sighs) they are in short gloriously untouched by the 21st century gloriously i'm sorry what listen no 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 and i mean i have nothing to say about this and this is some bullshit no no this doesn't even this is like this article is a self-drag i don't we don't even need to say anything about it I have nothing to be blatantly. I I can't. Like, disrespectful. June is a highly intelligent countess. She has written biographies and whatever, while Mutu cannot write, struggles to read, and does not even know when he was born. No, 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 no. We didn't really like each other at first. This is not happening. Admits the countess, who is 92 and remarkably sharp. This is not happening. Nope. Not today. We depend on each other. I don't know what I would do without him. The feeling is mutual. Madame is a wonderful English lady, very no. kind to me, says Mutu, no. whose made-up date of birth in his passport puts him at 81 years of age. No. Um, fast forward through, uh, they tell us how the countess got with her count husband. Um, they tell us how they found Mutu, who has heart, has, had the worst life. Like, he was abused by his, his family, and then they gave him to his grandmother, who, or whatever, his uncle or whoever, I don't know, who beat him. Doesn't matter. Um, so then Mutu met her husband and decided that he would, you know, told them that he wanted to go to England because that was his dream. And so they decided to take him to England would be to make them his, their servant. So they take him to England. <sighs> um, you already know what I'm going to say. No, hold on, just please. No. <laughs> I just want to find this part because, um, okay. The speeches may be short, especially from Mutu, because despite living in Britain for so long, his English, the only language he speaks, is still sketchy. I did try to teach him to read and write, but he got bored, and so we stopped, says June. But we managed perfectly well. Mutu learned to cook quite soon after moving in with us, and loves to make what he calls proper English food. So you mean to tell me this man who they acquired, I'm going to say acquired because he's basically a slave, this man who they acquired at the age of 20, he was 20 years old when he started working for them, couldn't learn to read and write, but just was a whiz, just a whiz in the kitchen, just got in there and knocked it out of the park, just learned how to cook in like record time. I'm sorry, what? Listen, just no to the whole thing. 
That's it gets worse. In no. many ways. Oh, Mutu- no. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? In many ways, Mutu behaves <laughs> as the epitome of a proper Englishman, albeit one rooted in the 50s. His shirts are immaculately ironed, his shoes meticulously polished, and when he goes to London for a few days' break, staying in a Best Western hotel near Paddington Station, he always wears a suit and tie. So that's what we're doing. So not only is it colonial wet dream, but it's also a bit of everything. A little bit of, you know, respectability, a little bit of, yeah, politics, politics, a little bit of model minority. Listen, listen. I, can't do, I can't do this. Just no, 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 no on the whole thing. Fuck no. I have met so many white people in my life who seem very educated and sensible and you know they're on with their times and whatever but they all have this idea of colonialism that it was like cute you yeah know? like oh my god it we was cute them. it was all like you no know, but like even you know the life like they had nice weather right. and little you know houses with gardens and he had servants and you drank hibiscus tea because that's what the <laughs> listen no that is not what colonialism is it is not what it was and to like to set try to like set this ambiance of like you know oh it was really cute and sexy and you know they're living in that glorious time when people today like today in countries that have been colonized are still dealing with the, the consequences of, of colonialism girl no just no no I no, this no, country. I have nothing. I have nothing. <laughs> no, I want the Daily Mail to, to just disappear. We are never, ever discussing anything that was on the Daily Mail ever again on this podcast, Sarah. I love this country and never felt the need to go anywhere else, he smiles. I like I good manners, self-discipline, hard work, and truthfulness. June's values are remarkable. No! Similar. Although their paths in life could hardly be more different. Let's listen, let me tell you something about this article. It really does a good job <clears throat> of like angling it in a way that shows that this man was just so lucky to find these people. Yes. And this like like we said before, this like model minority of like, oh, I just I love yes. being English and I love all the, the English values of you know. Yes. Such good manners. an immigrant. Yeah, and hard work. You know. I'm eighty two I'm eighty one years old or however old I am, and I'm still serving this lady who I've been with for sixty years and I never want to stop until the day I die because that's how good of a Indian I am. Like I just I don't like I don't understand how none of the people at the Daily Mail, not the author of this article, not the editors Because they're trash. Not the editor in chief. Everybody read one this of them and thought garbage this might not be appropriate i don't so then the article goes on to tell you about how tragically different their lives are how he lived this horrible just a horrible childhood and then you know eventually whatever met them then they tell you june oh sorry jan who is june's husband late husband the count Met Mutu in the officers officers mess in Malaysia. So Mutu moved to Malaysia to live with 
an uncle or a grandmother or something. Um, in the officer's mess, after being posted to Kuala Lumpur later in 1956 and was struck by his sunny character. Wait, so it was like a, a slave share? It was pretty much like they found him and he was like, I'm living this horrible life and I'm beaten every day. And he was like, come work for us. And that's, that's how that happened. Um, okay. But I also find it really interesting how they like infantilize him. Like they make him into this like this like one dimensional like child. He was struck by Listen. his sunny character. Like, oh, despite, you know, he's just so friendly and open like a puppy. <clears throat> like, I'm just like, are you kidding me? He wrote to June saying Mutu was keen to come to Britain and what did she think about the idea? So her husband wrote to her saying, oh, I found this lovely little Indian boy and I'd like to bring him home. Um, she said, I said it was a good idea but never actually thought it would happen. <clears throat> June says that Mutu, then about 20, was in some ways her first child. Please pay attention to this line. I'm going to read it again. June says that Mutu, then about 20, was in some ways her first child. But that when her own children were born, <laughs> when her own children were born, Michael in 1958 and Mary in 1960, he felt no jealousy, but went out of his way to look after them. Ah, okay, listen. Hold on. So we just established that she felt he was like a child to her. He was like her child. Immediate next paragraph. Mutu's jobs in those days included looking after the cars, bringing in wood, gardening, walking the dogs, doing odd jobs, playing with Michael and Mary, and a certain amount of cooking. I'm sorry, you what? Um, how, Sway? How? Explain to me how this man, <clears throat> who is 20, why would he be jealous of your children, that you claim to be your first child, is also serving you? Are, were your children doing those odd jobs? Were they, your children bringing in wood and gardening and looking after the cars? Like, are you... Um, so as if this guy's life wasn't bad enough. Today, Mutu lives alone with the countess, which he calls the boss. Every morning, he takes her tea, her, her morning tea, right, and opens her curtains, then settles her downstairs, prepares breakfast, elevenses, lunch and dinner, tidies up around the house, and makes June a gin and vermouth with, her, with two cubes of ice at 7 p.m. I hope she chokes on This is a man it. who is 81 years old. He is 81 <laughs> years old. I, and he I, does... All of this. Then they try to like spin it so that, you know, just in case you're starting to get the slavery vibe. No. Mutu, who takes a salary for his work, is a traditionalist who loves routine or, as he puts it, must do same things always. <coughs> I don't understand how no one, not okay, listen. the quote-unquote journalist who went and like interviewed Here's these people, did not I see the problem with this man it's not cute. The way he talks is not cute. It's uneducated. He's ignorant because they didn't provide him with an education because he's been their servant for 60 fucking years. Are you fucking shitting me? Listen, I think this story in and of itself is quite shocking. Like just the fact that this really old lady um, thinks that she lives in, I don't know, 1918 in India or something. And she has a like, all of that is trash in and of itself. But the way the article is written is I the feel trashiest like of all. They had a checklist of, like, 
every single stereotype they could accentuate. Um, you know, every... I, I, it's exactly what you described. It's a colonialist no, wet dream I where, like, know you know, like. trying to, like, like make this 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 horrible situation like grandiose and romantic and just beautiful and like oh my god look how precious they are it's been 60 years and they're still caring for each other even and like sounding nostalgic no... like yeah. that was a better time yes it was a better time for you bitch. but like there's no re- i mean for even your when they caucasian say, like, ass even when they say that oh you, these two people are an odd a couple but they still care for each other they don't care for each other she Mutu no, cares no. for her he cares for her that's it and i think that what people fail to realize this whole like oh but look at him he's so happy i mean in the article here it says um with no family and no friends with whom he socializes one might think he's lonely but he says i'm a lucky i am lucky person many people in the world suffer badly but god has always been nice to me this man has lived such a hard life that he thinks being some lady's servant for 60 years is better he, that he has it good and you know why he thinks he has it good because he doesn't have anything to compare it to because he was never given the opportunity to have a better life and so that's why he thinks this is the best he can have. Not being able to read and write, not being able to speak English properly, even though it's his only language. Like, what? He doesn't even know when he was born. He has nothing. He has no, like, social ties. He has literally nothing. When this old crotchety lady dies, he will be left halas barao. At 80 years old, he has nothing. You mean to tell me that this is good? How dare you? How dare you make this Romanticize. Yeah, romanticize this man's horrible, horrible Mm. life. And not to mention that it is clear that this man has Stockholm Syndrome. It is abundantly clear. I don't care what kind of money he gets. Apparently they bought him a little cottage that he doesn't even live in because he still has to deal with this lady. Um... And here's the part that gets me the most. In the past, June and Mutu would do the weekly shopping together. But nowadays, he does this with June's domestic help, who has worked for the Bedinis, that's their last name. Let him go! For 30 Let years. Him so you, thank you. So you, you mean to tell me <gasps> you have someone who's taking care of you? You have someone who's your domestic help, who's your housekeeper, who's doing all this stuff for you? Why do you need him? Why do you need him to still be there? Oh, I know because you just because you're just a terrible person, and because and he, the thing you, is, you, you I made I, it like abundantly clear that I mean, you basically crippled him, so he can't have his own life. You didn't, yeah, teach but him I, to read I, I right. honestly you didn't give him think that opportunity. he wants to be there because he has nothing else, and he has nothing else. Well, yeah, because he was never given the opportunity to do anything else of his life, but like dedicated to this lady. His life has ruined. I'm done. I'm done around this family. I don't want to do. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I'm done. I can't. I can't. And I, I honestly didn't read the whole article, and like, I knew that it would irritate me, but now I'm just mad. So no. He lives rent free in the converted barn June inhabits on the grounds of Norton Manor, and in addition to his bedroom, he has a small upstairs sitting room where he has framed photographs of her children and their families. June says, I did recently ask Mutu if he thought we should eat together, but he was dead against the idea. I think we get along so well because we know where the boundaries are. 
are we done? <laughs> like, this is the same duo that they that they called a couple. They called them a couple, but their boundaries uh, are the boundaries that they both agree on are that they're not a, supposed to eat with each with each other. Um, I'm done. I trust him completely and tell him things I know he will never repeat. Yeah, because he has nobody else to talk to, bitch. Like, who would he who's tell? he going to talk <laughs> Who would he tell? He literally has I no can't. one. I can't. I can't. I can't. So why has the partnership endured so successfully? I can tell you how. He's a prisoner in that home because he can't survive outside. <laughs> Am I right? Like, what? Mary, 57, says, My father's last words to me before he died were, Look after Mutu. He meant this primarily from a practical point of view, which we do. But in all other senses, it is Mutu who looks after us. He has always enriched our lives with his selfless devotion. (sighs) When I see him now caring for my mother with such gentleness, it is all too obvious that the conventional relationship of employer and employee was abandoned many years ago, replaced by mutual trust and respect, friendship and support. Where? Bish, where? What friendship? What friend do you know... Opens your curtains and brings you all of your meals and cleans Listen, your house. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and sigh, okay? If this ain't some driving Miss Daisy ass bullshit, Listen. I don't know what is. Like, are you fucking with me? I feel like this entire article is a joke. Some 40 years ago, while the Count was still alive, the Bedinis bought Mutu a cottage in Malmesbury, which he rents out. If June dies before he does, that's where he will live for for the rest of his days. You mean the good five to ten years he has left because you took his life? I'm I'm pretty sure El Meredihatekturu. I'm pretty sure like she's she's gonna outlive him. What do you like why wouldn't she? It's funny you should say that, because the very next line is sometimes we joke that the best solution would be that we die together, says June with a wry smile. So you mean to tell me not only are you a crotchety heifer who has kept this man from having a life for 60 years, but also you don't even want him to have a life after you're gone? Like you're so, <laughs> you're so self-absorbed that you think that the best solution would be for this man to not have a moment to himself? Not even after you're gone? That he can't even have a moment of true freedom? <sighs> That's so funny. Freedom for, like... And Mutu, listening to her in- intently, as he has for decades, nods quietly in agreement. That's the fucking last line of this fucking bullshit article. Okay, we're done! I can't. I can't. It's the the whole thing. Like I said, the situation is trash enough. Um, the wording of the article mm. is. I have no words. It's. Mm. I'm done. I'm done. No. No. I don't know if you've read this. The Atlantic. Um, did we talk about this on the podcast? How the Atlantic about... had an article um, written by a Filipino man. No. Um, a Filipino American talking about this, basically a similar situation where they had um, a housekeeper. No, I wasn't aware of this. It hell? was this long article, really heartbreaking piece about this man, you know, discussing this lady who basically raised him. Um, his parents were well off when they were in the Philippines, so they brought her 
they, she was their servant there and they brought her uh, with them when they moved to America and then it talks about like her relationship with their mother which was horrible and basically her mother treated treated their mother treated her like a slave she did everything and she was their servant for her entire life and um when you know after this man talks about how like early on as they started to grow up they started to realize what a fucked up situation it was Mm -hmm. and they talk he talks about how like that living that that double life of like you know, at school or whatever, out in the world, you're this person who's like, you know, super liberal and blah, blah, blah. But at home, you have this like dark secret. Right, right. And it discusses the, her whole life. It's a really heartbreaking story. Okay. Um, and this is like the other side of it, where this person, these people are romanticizing this very same situation. So mm-hmm. almost the same situation, minus the abuse, which, you know, we never know could have happened it's not in the article because the whole article is written to make this seem like it's like a good thing like they're doing this man a favor like this man is 81 years old and he's still doing manual labor he's still working and i'm just like how do you read this and think oh how oh so sweet yeah how precious you know he doesn't have a life and he's gonna work till the day he dies but at least he has like a really british sense of style and he wears like suits sure he can barely speak english and he can't read and write so if she dies and he's left by himself he just he can't do anything he has not had his own life he has not lived he's just listen i can't been and, and, and it's just it's it's such bullshit because they try to portray it like they care for each other and when you it's know, really just a one-way street when you yeah, say because if if this woman okay cared for this man she would at least provide an education so that he could have something else besides serving her like, how is this? What the fuck? If this I woman, don't understand. If this woman cared for this man, she would have let him go. She would have been like, you know what? You've done your, you know, your But I mean, I, I understand that if he doesn't, like, if he can't really, like, read and write and stuff, and she brought him from India to the UK so that he can work, she can't just be like, oh, you know what? Well, never mind, just go. Like, she I understand that she that's all so complicated. She for him. She doesn't feel responsible. I don't think she feels responsible for him. I think she feels like she's entitled to his service till the day he dies. She doesn't, she doesn't think that he is she doesn't even fathom that he could have a life of his own because she clearly says the best solution is just that we die together what listen i'm not you clearly don't value this man at all you don't value his life at all you don't think of him as an individual you just think of him as mutu your servant and so when you die that means that he should just wither and die because 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 what because he was made to serve me that's his, I'm just, his I'm entire just life saying, has been like if if they had the type of relationship that these people are trying to romanticize and that this guy was really you know really cared about her as a person and was very you know dedicated because uh, whatever that's all he can you give him an, an edu- like can you have at least let your domestic help also care for him 
you have the, you have to, that's what i'm saying right? everything <laughs> about this everything about this points to you just seeing him as your servant as your slave because you're you're both in similar you're not that far off you're 92 he's 81 you're both old as shit like he shouldn't be working if you I really cared understand. for him and if this was a friendship and whatever but then again it's not because obviously it's, it's, it's obviously not. it's not obviously it's, it's not her. she says it she says you know he under we both understand the boundaries the boundaries the boundaries and then the daily mail has the audacity to think that's a good thing oh they're just they're living in this quaint this quaint lifestyle that we don't understand in our touchy feely 21st century oh sorry we have rights now sorry we like sorry we're actual people now like i just anyway um why are we even halas we're done with that what are we talking about now white women trash number one okay white women trash number two (laughs) moving on to white women Uh, trash is <clears throat> the article that I'm sure a lot of people have seen uh, about this woman, this white woman, obviously, this white British woman, wrote about her Why experience. Br- her experience. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> taking in a refugee. I didn't read the whole article because the publication, whatever it was, wanted me to register oh. to read the whole article, and I was like, no thanks. Yeah, um, no. So the, basically, the gist of it is that this woman took in this Sudanese refugee, this young man by the name of Mohammed, mm-hmm. and in true white savior fashion, felt that as a refugee, he should act a certain way. And Mohammed did not fit the um, mold of the refugee, you know, she, the grateful, whatever refugee oh, that she he thought he would immigrant? be. Yeah. Was and he so not she, willing to serve her until he was fucking 85? i'm done with these people she was basically like oh i you know i couldn't believe it Uh, he didn't he broke the dryer and he didn't clean the washing machine and you know he didn't pick up my mail he just like stepped over it as he walked out the house and i thought that my friends were being racist when they told me that you know he's a bad apple but i didn't believe them because i'm such a good liberal but it's clear to me now that he, um, that they were right and that he's a bad person. And I just, I, you know, I have, have had such trust issues with people. And I thought that taking in this refugee would, like, help me. And it didn't. And now I'm just going to be distrustful for the rest of my life. Oh, so you're taking in a refugee to help you. Listen. Right. <laughs> like, thank you for just spelling it out for us. Thank you. Like, we didn't have to read into it at all. You literally said it. Right. You're doing it for your own benefit. You're doing it because you don't think that this person, it's not that you think this person needs help and you're just doing it out of selflessness. No, you're doing it because you want to show how good of a, how good you are and what a great person you are and you want to grow out of it. And it's you, you, you. It's all about you. Listen, I understand that <clears throat> the media, um, the liberal media, <laughs> as conservatives would call it, wants mm-hmm. to like romanticize this idea of like, let's take in the refugees and they're going to be super grateful and they're just going to learn our language and, 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 and assimilate into our culture and, and just be, you know, these like good little workers who are going to do everything for us because they're just so grateful that we did this for them. But sis, 
this is real life and some people are jerks and not everybody is required to be grateful to you. And you know what she could have said? I took in a refugee and it was not a very good idea because he was a horrible person and that's it. And the fact that you feel entitled to like gratitude. Thank you. What are you doing this for? Are you doing this to get a thank you and to get him to like get on his knees and bow down to you and be like, oh my God, my savior. Or are you doing this because you really care about the, the conditions that refugees or, you know, the things that refugees go through or the conditions that they live in once they get into to these countries? Like you obviously don't. You obviously don't care about the refugee crisis. You care about how you look caring about the refugee crisis. Right. And right. that's my issue with her. And that's my issue with so many people. Listen, granted, <laughs> like, this dude was a total, like, from what she described, was a total douche. Like, he sounded And you're like allowed to be a douche. Like, refugee and douchebag are not incompatible. I okay? agree. Like, you, you can be a completely horrible person who finds their self in a position of being a refugee and having yeah. to leave your country yeah. because of other shit other people have done that you have not yeah. asked for. And that doesn't, like, I'm sorry, what now? Yeah, yeah. People are people, and people are going to be jerks and assholes. And, like, that doesn't mean that they're, you know, that they don't deserve to be helped. Like, that doesn't mean that they don't deserve a better life just because they have a horrible personality. Like, that's just what... I don't understand. That's just how life works, sis. Like, I don't understand how you don't get that or that you expected that he would just be this, like, you know, puppy cute, nice person, like... Whatever. Also, I mean, on a different note, so this guy is Sudanese and a lot of people were... I saw this article roaming around Facebook and Twitter for a while, I think maybe even as much, as long as a month. Mm-hmm. And people were discussing it and they were saying how, you know, um, how wrong he was and how he makes Sudanese people look bad because he was a jerk and blah, blah, blah. Like besides the people who are complaining about the lady, there are also a lot of people complaining about the guy and saying that, you know, he should have been more grateful to her. He should have been a better guest in her home and blah, blah, blah. But um, the, one of the points that a lot of people were bringing up is that this is the, this is the, the attitude of people who don't need to be refugees, but become right. refugees. Like, right. you know, in Sudan, you're like middle class or upper upper middle class, and mm-hmm. but you just don't want to be bothered to live in Sudan anymore. So that you go somewhere and you seek asylum and you right. take the opportunity, you know, amongst other things, you take the opportunity away from other people who are, quote unquote, more deserving, you know, they uh, are right. in worse situations than you. And I think that's a legitimate argument to make. You could, I totally sort of like struggle with this thing of, so you are living in a perfectly acceptable life or like mm-hmm. a perfectly good life for Sudan, but you couldn't be bothered. So you seek asylum somewhere else and you are effectively taking that away from other people and you oh, are yeah. effectively making it seem like, like they, like we don't need it. Right, you know, or like people from Sudan don't need it because right, right, well, right. look at you, you know, you're and I and I completely agree with that because I remember when I was in France, um, I don't remember what it was, but I had like some like trouble or a delay or something with my residence card, and someone was like, "Well, uh, why don't you just apply for asylum?" And I was like, "But why would I?" Right? They're like, "Oh, you're Sudanese, and Sudan is on the list, so you know you'd be eligible." And I'm like, "But." For what? But why would, yeah. But why, but would, why I? would I? Like, yeah. I don't, 
I feel like that's really dishonest. Like, why would yeah. I? It's, inc- it's you know? incredibly dishonest. And I've, I've always felt like, you know, people who just seek asylum because they can't be bothered mm-hmm. or like because, you know, their fees, like, for example, so I have a, a cousin whose friend um, came to the States for, I think, a vacation mm-hmm. and then decided that she wanted to seek asylum. Oh, one of these vacations. Yeah. And then, you know, just stayed and, like, got an immigration lawyer or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And her family is incredibly well off. Okay. Like, super rich. Um, Right. She didn't have any trouble getting to the States. Like, you know, she could afford whatever. She can afford to just sit around and and not, not work and not have a job because she you know her family can afford it and Mm -hmm. i just felt like you seek what are you seeking asylum from from you just yeah you just want to be here because you want to be here and you know that your six month visa or whatever is going to run out and you can't get permanent residence but like you're taking that opportunity away from someone who really desperately needs it also people who seek asylum in european or in European countries or in America, have this like romanticized view of like what it's going to be like. I don't know how asylum seekers in Europe live. I think, I think um, when you, when you're an asylum seeker in Europe, you get a little bit more benefits than you do in America. Like you're well, given housing or li- a stipend I mean, or something. At I think um, I don't know about the rest of Europe, but I know that in France. Um, the process can take up to, I don't know, like two, three years, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And in that period, like once they've accepted your file and they're kind of like processing, um, you get something min- like 300 euros a month. Like, how are you? Right. How are you supposed to live you on know? that? You don't really get housing or anything. They're struggling with oh. that right now in Paris. Okay. Like, it's it's a struggle sis i don't know well it's a struggle everywhere and i think that people don't understand that it's the same way that people like apply for the green card lottery and then they come here and they're like wait you're not gonna give me anything you're not gonna give me a house and money and no sis your gift is that you came here Right. at least from like a, a purely like governmental legal perspective because by then you have like um, all the nonprofits and stuff that try to mm-hmm. organize and collect money and they do find housing for refugees and stuff. But like it's not, it's, it's not, not a guarantee. Sailing. It's not right. like you come in and they're like, oh, well, you're going to be staying at the Ritz tonight. No. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so for you to take that step, I feel like, I mean, I, I could never claim to speak for a person who you know decides to seek asylum like uh, legitimately decides to seek asylum or a refugee or whatever because I've never lived that experience I don't know Mm -hmm. but I would assume that to make that step is really to take that step is really difficult and it's like a a a long-term commitment of like my life is going to be really hard for a while and there's Mm -hmm. no guarantee that my life is going to be better but I would rather do this and uh, take this risk, then, you know, stay where I am and, and possibly it, die. It or really is a risk because the process is very, very long. And for whatever time it takes to process your stuff, you don't really have a legal status. Right. So you're kind of like 
you know, قاعدة في طرف الكرسي because you're in limbo. Yeah. Yeah. And so for people who just are like, oh, just go seek asylum. You're just like, oh. yeah, I was like, what? Who? Why? I understand that this young man <laughs> may have been, you know, we don't know his situation, but he may have been doing it. It seems like he's just some entitled dude who, you know, is used to like, and not really having any sort of responsibility around the house and, and just like, and he got to someone being, to take him in. Exactly. Yeah. And he, and, and, you know, he got this lady to take him in and he lived how he's used to living. Right. But for this lady to expect that just because she took him in, that somehow he's supposed to be like fucking Mary Poppins or like Cinderella or some mm-hmm. shit is, sorry, fully her problem. Oh, I agree. I think the the whole, like the dynamic that they had in her household, that's a personal thing, right? Because you're yeah. taking in a human being and they could be really nice or they could be an asshole. So tough yeah. luck. But the fact that people systematically assume that you're going to be their specific idea of a good right. immigrant right that's that's not per- that's like a thing it's you know what i mean yeah. like it's a thing no you know she decided to deal with her personal issues by taking on this challenge and i feel like you're dumb for not listening to your friends because your friends who you you know you decided to paint them as racist like oh i just thought they were being racist when they said that blah 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 is also this like backhanded way of saying that now i'm justified in right. you know judging minorities or judging mm-hmm. people of color because supporting of supporting brexit <laughs> yeah because of this one experience see this justifies it we're not racist it's just true no sis right. your friends for what you know for whatever their reasons were actually i thought were pretty pretty reasonable to be like hey are you sure you want to do this especially since they know you and you mm-hmm. as, you admit that you have trust issues and you admit that you have your own little personal problems and hang-ups so So I think that they were right in telling you not to take in anybody because clearly you're not mentally or emotionally equipped to take in someone, let alone a stranger. Mm -hmm. And let alone a stranger who is not from your culture, who's not from your country, who you assume is supposed to act a certain way. And so when you did that, that was all on you, sis. You decided to Mm -hmm. take the plunge. You decided to take that risk, to take that challenge on. And didn't think about any of the repercussions, didn't think about any of the cultural differences, didn't think about any of the difficulties that come with taking in someone who has potentially a traumatic experience as a refugee or is just a, just a person, a three-dimensional human being. Yeah. And it's just, it's really weird to me that her motivation for this was personal you know oh yeah like it wasn't that you know she read on the conflicts and you know why there's a refugee crisis and she was like okay my government you know fuck this up we need to do something about it um i want to help in whatever way i can no no it was very like oh i want to prove to myself that i can do and i want to change like my own perception and But can you do that on your own time? Yeah. Like without using human beings? Thank like, you. What, what without is- using mm-hmm. a human being, a fully formed three-dimensional human being as a prop for your little, like, whatever. She just wanted a pat on the back. That's all you right. wanted. And that's right. why you wrote this article. And then I think somewhere, I read somewhere that she, he was mad that she wrote the article. 
Like Mm -hmm. without basically without his consent. Yeah, you're airing him to the world. You're using his name and airing him to the world and putting his picture on there to talk about. Yeah, his picture was on there to talk about how much of an asshole he was. Of course, he has the right to be mad. Right. That's not part of the deal, sis. You took him in. I mean, he was a dick, but also. Yeah, but also so were you. You took him in. No strings attached. He, there was no contract, no guarantee that he was supposed to be a good little, you know, good little exactly. boy and do what you wanted. Yeah. Because yeah. he's a person who is allowed to have his own personality and his own flaws and his own whatever, just like and you it, do. And it tells you a lot about, like, her expectations exactly. of what he was supposed to be like. Why did and you where that idea anything? comes from. Why yeah. did you have any expectations to begin with? Your uh, motivation to help shouldn't be based on how good of a person that person is. Mm-hmm. It should be based on you wanting to do good and only that. And if you had a bad experience, then chalk it up to just having a bad experience. Wow, that guy was a dick. Oh, well. But it shouldn't be, oh, oh my God, I took in this refugee. Can you believe it? He didn't kiss my feet. Bitch, Bye. I'm done. Goodbye. All right. I'm done too. I have no, no. Yeah, I'm. I'm no more words. I'm done with white people. Uh, we have two more stories. You can choose one, or we can do both. I will propose them okay. to you now. Okay. Before we get to that, can okay. I just do a little mumkinla? Like, oh yeah. Super quick. Mumkinla. Mumkinla. It's really not even a topic, and. I think I like normally I wouldn't even dignify this or like acknowledge it or whatever. Um, but not today. Today is not the day, and I am not the motherfucking one. Okay. So here it goes. Um, some girl on Sudani Twitter Uh-oh. tweeted, and I quote Girls with kershat wearing skin tight dresses is the most disgusting thing to watch on the street. Um, couple of things. First of all, <laughs> to watch, watch. Yeah. They're not there for you to watch, to watch. them. Okay, Six. they're in the street, like you know, going places and Minding doing things as their you should own be. business as um, you should be. Second of all, uh, words mean things. The most disgusting. Like for what? Why? Fishno. Yeah. Like how is that? Why are you mad? They have a kersha and. How yeah. is that disgusting? Like, your words mean things, people, yeah. okay? Yeah. And last, I'm guessing, this Hafa lives in Khartoum. And like, <laughs> really, the most disgusting thing on the street is women with kersha. Like, ma'am, no. Not today, not today. Uh, any other day, it would have slid and I would have been, okay, you're entitled to your opinion and your opinion is dumb, but I don't need to tell you that. But today, I feel like you need to know that. Your your opinion is trash. Well, no, like, <laughs> I need people to just let other people live. Please. Just, just Please you know? Do. And I feel like there's this trend on Sudani Twitter of just like saying stuff like this and like shitting on the most people that you can possibly humanly shit on just to seem more interesting. Right. And girl, nobody cares. Like, I hope he slides in your DM. Okay. Whoever you're trying, like whoever's attention you're trying to get, but like, no, no, just let people live. It's not funny. It's not cute. She made a hashtag 
Like she made a hashtag. I saw the tweet. Hashtag but. lose the kershasis. Well, hashtag shut the fuck up, sis. Well, nobody cares. <laughs> okay, let people live. Um, that's please. it. Can we live? I'm done. Kersha, no kersha. Why are you pressed? <laughs> I don't. Is it yours? Do you have to carry it? Do you have to wear these clothes? No. So do you have to buy my wardrobe? No. So just leave me alone. And it's yeah. always like. Uh, it's always shitting on women specifically and shitting about something about the way they look, like how they're something dressed, completely or like their makeup, to your life. Not, or like the, nothing What is it to you? Nothing that affects if, you. If you're like super fit and you eat right and you're healthy and you got them at good, good for, for you, sis. sis. You know, I'm not yeah. hating, but like, can everyone else just live? They're not there for you to observe. Like, it's nope. not a circus, okay? It's really Just isn't. let people It in. really isn't. That's it for me. Thank you. Mumkin la. Mumkin la. Okay. Well, <laughs> our final two topics, which you okay. can choose from, or we can talk about both. Um, the first one is uh, Rick Ross on The Breakfast Club. No. Well, okay. And the second one is... Um, uh, Men who threaten women online, specifically Sudanese men who threaten Sudanese women online. Uh, oh. <laughs> She's like, okay. can we not do it either of them? <laughs> I was going to say also no, but uh, okay. Okay. I'm going to make this really quickly. Really quickly. Go I'm going to make it. this really quick because um, I just think it's worth discussing, like touching on very quickly. So two weeks ago, I think. I don't know. The days all blend together now. I got a message in my uh, DMs from a young woman. And uh, in it, she showed me a message she got from somebody else talking about how um, this young Sudanese man, I mean, I don't know if he's young, actually. This Sudanese man of indiscriminate age (laughs) um, was Mm -hmm. threatening to, quote unquote, expose me and oh god three other trolls yeah oh sure we can talk about that uh talking uh basically he called us quote unquote degenerate whores and told us that his demands were that we stop our man hating quote unquote progressive bullshit online and um you know i don't know uh become i don't know i don't actually i don't know i don't know what he wanted but basically his threat was his threat was that he was going to expose all of us. And I don't know what that means, but from what he was doing, from the little things, the little hints that he was giving us, it would Mm -hmm. mean that he would share our photos on these like red pill web boards. There's like subreddit communities where they hate women and, you know, they want to kill us all or something. First of all, this guy's a joke. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, like so basically what he was threatening to do was share our pictures, share our addresses, like our, our where we live and our personal information so that these people would come get us, supposedly. You know what? I wish a motherfucker would. Listen, <laughs> um, I laughed hard. Um, and then uh, maybe a, a day or so after I got that message, I got a, an email from him um, with a Twitter link to reset my password because I think he thinks I'm dumb. I already know he thinks I'm old <laughs> because he okay. said that in his message. 
um, parent, he singled me out as the oh, old hat. Oh, I know that hurt your feelings. It really did because I'm not that it's old. It's okay. So am I. It's fine. Um, he singled me out as an old hack, and so he thought that he could easily hack my account by sending me a Twitter link to reset my password in an email that was titled his group or like his thing. Like I already knew what it was. So I was like, sis, nah, thanks. Um, he then, uh, when we didn't acquiesce to his demands, because mm -hmm. what were his demands even? Um, he decided to share his to his twelve Twitter followers our what profile pictures that? with little like bios on each of us. Mine. What a waste of oxygen. Mine called me a nigger twice, and he's uh, Sudanese though. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. I'm I laughed. so is your mama. Like, like what? So are you, bruh? So was everybody. Like. <sighs> Okay, so he called me a nigger twice. Um, he said that he exposed me as an American citizen, which we all <laughs> already know. Um, what? He exposed me as having a quote-unquote weak heart, which we already knew. No. <laughs> okay. No. Sarah? No. <laughs> no. 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 Like, no. We no. already have no. all this information. Bitch. All of this to say that this young man was so hurt by us wanting to be human beings and not like, Did you respond at all? I didn't. Hasn't he been suspended? Well, now he was he's been suspended now after mm -hmm. efforts from the young lady and um you know, whatever. But first of all, this young man was so hurt that he joined these Reddit groups that are notoriously white supremacist, notoriously racist. So he must have pretended to be a white guy, therefore calling me a nigger, in order to get their support to supposedly expose me or come at me or whatever, and me and these other I girls. Really, and I'm just I'm kind confused. of like, I really, really can't tell if so this person is really dumb or like actually super smart but really bored and just like taking no, everyone on a ride i think I can't he's tell. just sad i think he's really lonely and he well, he needs well lie i really do and let me tell you why for you to demean yourself in order to get other people's support is one thing like is a huge right is a huge telltale sign of there's something really wrong with you like either you hate but yourself maybe he really thinks that nigger doesn't apply to him true because also he true. was i mean i just saw that he was following a bunch of like trump accounts and stuff so maybe he um, thinks he's a white man i don't know but um i mean regardless you know, the other thing that makes me think that he's really he's lonely maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he is transracial I don't know. the whole issue regardless of the little details, just points to this, again, like this entitlement of like, as a, as a dude, you think that you're entitled to my respect or my fear or my reverence because what? And what are you going to expose? What are you, I'm very confused. What are you sharing that I haven't already shared? All this information that you gave, everybody already knows because I keep talking about it. It is out there. talking about all of these things. Like, I'm not hiding any of this stuff. It's not a secret. It's not a surprise. Like, what is it? And also, the thing that worries me, well, 
worries is a strong term. But the thing that concerns me is that a person like this is usually too much of a coward to do anything in real life, but mm-hmm. can, if pushed, right? And I, I mean, me talking about this now could be considered like rubbing it in. Mm-hmm. But if pushed, could be the kind of person who takes it to a different level because his ego is hurt or because he thinks he's, a you know, as a man, you disrespected me as a man and therefore blah, blah, blah. Just like we've seen in our society all the time. Men do shit all the time under the guise of, oh, I was disrespected as a man, so I slapped her or I was disrespected as a man, so I killed her. Just like that guy mm-hmm. a few years ago who stabbed his wife at that store next to Ozone where she worked. He basically, she wanted a divorce because he was abusive and whatever. And he came to the store a few times and and the the store owner kicked him out and basically told him, don't come here again. Mm -hmm. And he called her out to the, you know, to say that he just wanted to talk and he wanted to whatever. And when she came out the store, he stabbed her in the middle of the street. See, people say women are irrational, but like, have you seen men? Like, uh, men? whose ego has been bruised so when people are like have you you know he's just a troll or he's just whatever i never put it past the person to have such a fragile ego or be so self-absorbed or be so self-entitled or be so encouraged by other people and society's view of like oh you're a man you need to defend your manhood that they can do anything to defend their manhood and people will be like oh uh-huh. so what's the solution then because you can't really reason with this guy right no you can't but i'm just that's saying why right- i was asking like have you responded did you guys have a conversation does anyone know what's up with this dude no, like what's but I'm wrong putting it out there right now if you come at me in real life i will murder you i don't Cut know who you think you are motherfucker but if Cut you have the audacity to come to me face to face and try to do something to me i will kill you and i love how this like he's like oh if you don't do this and that then i'll expose you first of all expose what and second of all to whom thirdly like, i'm all to, over the internet to whom because you think I'm no, worried about I all mean, my parents? Like, what say, is he? Well, that's the thing. People were talking about how, how, like, oh, he can go on Facebook and like hack our Facebook accounts and like make our shit public. My shit is already public, bro. I'm not hiding to anything. your dad, who's also on who's Facebook, also on Facebook, and like, who would <laughs> kick his ass in real life. Like, I just, what are you trying to get at? And the thing is, I don't think he realizes that it goes both ways. Exactly. That's the problem. Remember when we talked about um, that other guy who threatened another girl on Sudanese Twitter and people got all of his information and his address and where he studies and I think he got in trouble. They reported him to his university, yeah. Yeah. I think he got suspended Um, or expelled or something. I don't remember. So And people were mad at her. FYI. People were mad at her for for um, exposing him, people were mad at her for, for <sighs> complaint. You know, for t- putting in a complaint to his university, and I'm like, why? This man. We talked about that. It's your responsibility. Once you come at people Thank sideways, you. it's your responsibility. Your actions. What happens after that? Whatever happens, life repercussions. And if you're too, <sighs> you know, if you're too immature. Or too, if you're too fragile, too fragile for the consequences, to take it, don't dish stay it. Stay in your lane. Don't dish it if you can't take it. That's it. 
Listen, um, well, if if this person has friends, um, I hope that you guys talk to him because I think he has issues. Yeah, I um, think he needs he needs a, a solid hug and perhaps a good conversation because this is not the behavior of a person who is happy in their lives, in their life. And, and that's sad to me. Like, on a real note, his bullshit aside, it's really I sad agree. to me that you are so miserable <clears throat> or you're so hurt or you're so something. Something is off Fihada. with you. I, or you're, like, insecure in real life I, and you want to kind of, like, assert your, you know, dominance online. This isn't the what, way to do it. Whatever it It's is. not the way to do or, it. Or, like, you have... And I am not the one. I was going to say something else, but just, no, not today. Yeah. So I'll stay polite. (laughs) I just want people to also take this kind of stuff seriously. Because I take it seriously. And granted, this was a real joke, like, in terms of, like, level of threat. It was a joke to me. But I take the concept of you threatening me seriously. Because I am not the one. And I will never be the one. And also, like, I need you to understand, like we said, that your actions have consequences. And if you don't want those consequences, then don't take that action. Word. And that's all we have for today. We have a bunch of listener letters, actually. Yay! I'm so happy. Again, and if you guys want us to hashtag Fixio Life, give you some, you know, advice based on our many years on this planet, um, <laughs> you can... You old hack. Yeah. Um, as old hacks, or just me personally, um, you can hit us up at our Saraha account, nosernoman.saraha.com, or if you feel like you want us to know your name and and um, share your story, you can hit us up on our email at nosernoman at gmail.com. We have a, a few emails as well. Um, so do you, shall I read some of these? What, sh- what should we start with? Actually, can we start with the emails? Yeah, sure. Go for it. All right. Uh, this email comes to us from Hussam in Canada. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Canada. Um, He says, Salam, ladies. First off, I love the podcast. Thanks, dude. You're putting in fantastic work, and I'm a huge fan. As a diaspora kid who has pretty much been removed from all things Sudanese for most of my life, your show has struck a tender spot within me and has helped me reconnect. It means a lot. Thank you. (laughs) Aw. Aw. So glad we could do that for you, bruh. I know. (laughs) Um, Now, I could be wrong, but it seems to me like you two are in separate countries. You are not wrong. We are. So I wanted to ask how you two managed to make that work and have such good sound quality to your show. Um, can I laugh for a second? Because <laughs> so ironic. Um, yeah, wow. we struggle so hard with that. Like, thank you for saying we have good sound quality because I never know. I don't even know anymore. I can't tell the difference. Um, I think it's it's gotten consistently better with time. I don't yes. know why. It also feels I don't know like how. because we are both in countries with fast internet that that's right. also helping. That helps. That's about to change, so please prepare thyself because I'm going back to Sudan this week. So, yeah. Um, 
it feels like you two are in the same room and it took me a long time to believe that you aren't just sitting on the same desk having these conversations. Thank you. You know what? For that compliment. That as a compliment. I will. <laughs> I, I asked this um, because a couple of friends of mine have been hosting their own show for the past year. However, this summer, one of the hosts has relocated. They're trying to find ways to keep the show going without compromising on quality and discovering your show was like a godsend in this regard to me. Any advice would be fantastic. If you read this, thank you for your time and shout out to you from Canada. Oh, thanks, man. I know, so sweet. So, do you want to? Um, um, the question is, how all, do we do this? I yeah. I think we sound like we're in the same room um, because this is how we talk in real life. Yes, like we're real life friends and yeah. we have real life. Like this is actually stuff that we would talk about if anyway. we were. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that definitely helps with like keeping it, I guess, um, smooth. Um, other than that, um, the logistics, uh, you know, they're, they're a bit wonky here and there. What we do is that we call each other like on WhatsApp or Skype or whatever, and we pretty much have the conversation on the phone. And then we each record her audio separately and then I send mine to Sarah and she does the editing. Um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, the challenging thing about recording this podcast from two separate countries is when the internet connection sucks because then you oh, you know have to deal with it in editing. Right. Um, so that becomes mm-hmm. a more time-consuming process than it should be or than it could be. But otherwise, uh, that's how we do it. And yeah, um, I'm going to shout out really quickly the their, his friend's uh, podcast, uh, which I haven't listened to yet, but we'll totally get to it sometime. Um, they're called The Brother Dialogues, and he gives us a link, which we will tweet out when the episode goes out. Our second question comes from Ahmed uh, a Sadiq. I hope he doesn't mind that we shouted out his name because he wrote it in the email. Hey, I'd like to hear your input on the relationship between genders. I'm in my early 20s and I find it hard to understand where the lines should be drawn. Um, because of the interaction and because of the of globalization and the Western invasion in media, uh, we have lost the grasp of what we are and how we act and interact between the genders. How and what do you think is the right way to interact between genders? I'm really confused about the topic, and hearing your input can guide me to my next question, maybe. I like the podcast and will keep following your updates. Thank you, Ahmed. Um, do you want to... Do you want to start off? I mean, I my first reaction is that I don't like interacting with either gender. Well, um, so when I have to, okay, I interact with both genders in the exact same way. I'm not necessarily like I understand what he means, but I'm I'm really not that person who's like you know super girly and like you know cuddly and touchy with the girls. Mm-hmm. And the, no, I don't do that. I'm just like very cold with everyone, and that's just it. <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't know if he's talking about like a specific situation, right? Or like at work, or so. I I really don't I know. Think, um, what's what's your take on? I this? think his question is a little bit loaded because I think I'm getting from what I, from the way that he phrased it that he's that he feels that there's sh- like there should be a specific way that we 
interact and i think it has to do with like our cultural ideals him talking about the western Mm -hmm. invasion of media and whatever but i Mm -hmm. think that the problem that we have is that we interact as genders and not as people if that makes sense like right in bizarre in sudan like البنات مفروض يتعاملوا مع بعض كده الاولاد مفروض يتعاملوا مع بعض كده البنات والاولاد مفروض يتعاملوا مع بعض كده I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah. And I just don't think that that's a thing. I mean, like you said, I don't, I'm kind of the same as you. I'm not, I don't deal with people in terms of their gender. Like, mm-hmm. I just deal with people the way that I deal with them. Like, I'm I'm kind of, I'm the same across the board. And right. that sometimes can be, you know, that sometimes I admit, especially within our cultural context, can be confusing because, you know, men might think you're, trying to say something or like you're flirting or whatever because you're friendly and you're a normal person and you're not you know or they might think that you're being weird because or you're too forward because you're not like laughing into your napkin or like being coy and demure and whatever else they expect girls to be okay um and girls might think that i'm you know a little bit abrasive because i don't like hugging and kissing and stuff and i don't you know so it's it's i think just deal with the person how you would want like treat them how you would want to be treated exactly regardless of whether they're male or female and take it from there and i would always 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 rather come off as cold and standoffish than than like too familiar i agree because then people imagine things and it just it opens the door to like so much fully i don't i don't do that i also think i think i I want yeah i want to i just answer his question a little bit more specific to the way that he asked it in saying that in Sudan or like in Sudanese society, there are certain boundaries that go without, I mean, like that go with interacting with the opposite sex. Um, mm-hmm. I think when in doubt, apply those boundaries. Like I feel like they're really arbitrary right. and it's like, oh, don't, you know, stand too close to a guy because that means you're a whore or, you know, don't like make any sort of physical contact with a girl because that means you want to get with her. Like, I think they're very arbitrary, but I think that if you ever have any doubt that, you know, this person might get the wrong idea or feel uncomfortable or whatever, apply them because right. I think that's always going to be your safest bet. And and like you said, deal with people as like actual individuals as opposed yes. to like what you should do towards this or yes. that gender. And when you don't know the actual, per- like you don't really you know know where to stand yeah. or whatever then yeah you should apply those whatever right. the culture cultural arbitrary lines norms yeah. i guess but yeah. in general just treat people yes hi sorry we're getting a visitor <laughs> yeah hey hey Tumbishani. what's up I to see you. oh thanks for coming to see me and has to خليني أخلص بعدك بجيك فوق كويس. يلا أنا بعد ما أخلص بجيك فوق كويس. أوكي يلا أمشي أقفل الباب معك. Alright, sorry about that. Um, I don't remember what we were saying. Oh yeah, but beyond that, just you know, in general, treat people how you want to be treated, and I think that will yeah. work out well for you. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Let us move on to 
Do we have another email or are we moving on to We're the We're moving on to the Salaha questions. There are no more emails. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to read the first message we got. Um, as one of your three male listeners, I kindly request that you don't dedicate an entire episode to natural hair again. Same goes out to natural nails, natural brows, etc. Last episode was painfully irrelevant to me. Well, apart from that, you guys rock. <laughs> if half our people shared your way of thinking, we'd be living in a much better Sudan. All the best. Aww. Thanks. First of all, thanks for the backhanded compliment. Okay. The, the whole point of having a whole episode on natural hair is that because, like we said, it's not, it's never just hair. It has like social implications and, you know, there's a lot of discrimination and stuff. And that's why we dedicated a whole episode to it. Um, I don't really care much about nails or brows. Yeah. Although a lot of you sisters out there in Sudan need a better brow lady. But that's, <laughs> you know, that's neither here nor there. I think, you know, I just wanted to point out that it w- we did hair because it's never just hair. Yeah. But thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad that you felt that it was irrelevant to you because we mentioned how hair is pertinent in society. But that's fair. I mean, if you didn't like the episode cute for you bro like i don't know what to tell you like <laughs> all right well keep listening no it's it's honestly it's fair and we're not planning on doing any episodes on natural and uh, natural nails and brows yeah. because we don't care about that but we do care about hair so yeah. okay well great next question um okay um let me see. Which one should we start with? There, we have two questions that are kind of similar. Well, not, okay, never mind. Let's start with the mm-hmm. older one. Um, I have troubles interacting with others, specifically females. I'm not sure I can be called introverted or shy. I just feel like there's no point in making the effort to interact and socialize with others, and it's affecting my work. If you feel like you can fix it, hope you go for it. Okay. Um, listen, uh, brother, you and me mm-hmm. both, okay? I don't like interacting or socializing with people either. Um, But if it's affecting your work, then it does become a problem. I understand. Um, Do you want to start, Sarah? Um, I'm just going to say that uh, when you're at work, there's a minimum of, you know, interaction that you have to do. And I think you should just bite your, like, just bite down and get through it. Like, you're going to have to work with people and you're going to have to, like, be cordial but I think for Sudan particularly people confuse work with socializing and because we're such a social culture right. we've talked about this before you your colleagues mm-hmm. feel like they have to be your friends and that's not the case right. you don't have to be friends with your co-workers you don't have to no, socialize with them beyond you know the polite formalities of hi how are you how is your weekend that's pretty much it all of your in most of your interaction with them should be work related that's just my personal opinion that's how i've been in office situations unless i actually like genuinely strike 
a connection with that person, but I don't force myself to be friendly or overly social with my coworkers because I don't think that's necessary. Right. And that thought works for you because you're your own. No, boss. even but I'm saying even when and... I used to work in an office, I would I oh, don't okay. usually try to like I'll keep it cute, like hi, how are you? You know, I'll smile or whatever, but I don't feel the need to like go out to lunch with people or eat with them or whatever. Right. But I I understand that in, in some workplaces, even that can affect your work because um, if it's like a really tight knit team and they do a lot of socializing together, like they go out for lunch or, you know, whatever, dinner after work or something, and you're not a part of that, then you can like exclude yourself. Mm-hmm which also can exclude you from, like, work stuff, you know? Um, I don't know if I have advice. I mean... I think just do the bare minimum. I just just don't feel like you should feel like you have to be friends with your coworkers. I think you should, you know, do the cordial thing, do whatever it takes to be... Uh, to make the work go smoothly, but I don't think you should force yourself because that also comes, I mean, that also comes out really clearly. If you're forcing yourself mm-hmm. to interact with people and you don't want to interact with them, in- inevitably you're going to end up offending someone. Um, I feel like people in Sudan don't understand boundaries um, when you're like shy or you're an introvert or, right. you know, they just, they don't get that concept of not wanting to socialize. True. So they think that you're either being rude or, you know, you think you're like, you're too good to hang out with them or right. whatever. And I think you should find like a very diplomatic way of kind of, um, not not really explaining with words, but kind of conveying that um, you're you're just a very reserved person, but you will do the bare minimum to be like polite and respectful and you know be part of that team without it being too for I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's hard. I mean it's hard, but I think it really is. And you're allowed to be an introvert and you're allowed to be shy. But I understand it's challenging in a work environment because people expect more of you. Like they expect you to be (sighs) listen. I just think that I mean my general advice to you would be unfortunately you're going to have to force yourself to interact with people at a certain level. But don't feel like you have to go above and beyond. Um, because most likely that's not necessary. Like you should interact with them in a way that makes them feel comfortable to work with you and, you know, and whatever, but don't feel the need to be their friend just because they're your coworkers. Because oftentimes in a Sudanese work setting, that's usually how, how it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and also there's a lot of little things that you can do to kind of show people that you're not trying to be rude or standoffish. Um, but that you're really not comfortable, you know, like just having random conversations or like going for lunch or whatever. Like, I don't, just random stuff. Like if there's a birthday and, you know, everyone's doing a thing for that one birthday and you don't really want to socialize with people, you don't really have to. You could just, you know, like write a little card or, right. you know, get a cake. And muhimiani, you can do like little things that don't involve you um forcing yourself mm-hmm. to socialize mm-hmm. but also like keep you 
um, how do I say? Like part of the team, right, like, right, right, right. Don't that, that you know, don't isolate. Yeah, yourself. that don't isolate you yeah. from the rest of your team. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty. Hope much that it. helped. Yeah. Um, let's hit up our last. I think uh, last Saraha question. So, hey guys, I need you to fix my life. I just finished my first year in uni in Sudan and have zero zero friends. Maybe it's oh. because I'm too picky, but like I don't want trash for friends. You get me? Okay. Sis, I get totally. you. Totally get um, you. Maybe it's because I'm introverted. I honestly don't know. So how can one make friends because that shit ain't easy? Uh, I don't remember the last time I made a friend. <laughs> I was going to say, D- don't. Don't make friends. Yeah. <laughs> but also but, that's horrible because. No. The worst thing you can do is force yourself into making friends. That's the worst thing you can do because oftentimes that means that you're making wrong choices mm-hmm. in friendships because mm-hmm. you just want a friend. Right. And I think you being a picky, like being picky in terms of your friendships is totally valid and it's actually quite wise. Mm-hmm. And I think you should, you know, open your, yourself up a little bit. Like don't be standoffish, but be aware of what you want in a friend. And if you don't right. find that in that person, don't feel obligated to be friendly with them or to be do their friend. Do not do it. Um, but I also feel like I want to tell her, to, like, don't worry about it. You don't, you don't need to make friends. It's okay. Don't force yourself. But also, I feel like I'm in a position to say that because I'm really old and my friends, yeah. like my really good friends, are people that I've known for at least I don't know, twelve years at least. Yeah, yeah. If not more. And so I'm not at that stage in my life where, like, I'm trying to, I just, I don't care anymore. Like, I have my people, and that's it. Like, that's all I need. I don't need new friends, right? Um, I was like this person who sent this message. When I was in college, mm-hmm. I was very, like, particular about who I wanted to be friends with. I was very As shy. You should be. Yeah, and I wasn't really interested in just making friendships for the sake of, having somebody to hang out with like I wanted an actual Mm -hmm. like actual friends and for a while it was a little bit lonely like I admit for my first year I was kind of like "Mm," in the library a lot and you know at home but honestly if you know what you want it's not going to be an issue for you you will find a person you're going to attract yeah the kind of energy that you're giving that you out want. yeah and, and yeah and, and you're know, gonna and attract the kind of friends. person that you want yeah exactly and so just don't don't rush it because rushing often leads to bad decisions right so hang in there it'll, and nobody it'll get wants better trash friends it's like yeah nobody wants trash know, friends i feel like, you for real yeah i hope that helps you and i hope that you get just the best of people in your circle when I you really make that do. circle and i hope it's soon because you deserve sis or right. bro um okay i think that's it yeah pretty much i don't have a serious mom for this week, neither so do i oh i don't well that's so bad. i guess bye <laughs> do you have recommendations or anything um insecure i just watched season one or i almost finished season one i'm way behind wait um, how did this happen I know, I know. I'm a terrible person. But it's such a great show. It's such it a really great show. It really is. I'm surprised that you're so late on this train. I, I think I was saving it. And then 
in an effort to save Got it. Distracted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's a really good show. Also, um, I'm reading Mindy Kaling's book. Is everybody hanging out without me? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good. And okay. it's really funny. And you should read it. Okay. And that's it Excited. from me. Well, all right then. That's okay. Goodbye. Well, see you next week or Bye. whenever. Bye. You want to talk about the things I've done, but I'm reclaiming my time. Yeah, you want to speak on the battles I've won, but I'm reclaiming my time. Well, that's not why I brought you here to share it. I'm reclaiming my time. Yeah, don't read my resume because I was there. I'm reclaiming my time. Yes, I am. My time. Every minute. My time. Every second. My time. Stop talking. My time. Do you know the rules? My time. When it's my time. My time. I can take it back. My time. Oh, I'm reclaiming my time. Hey, what am I the letter? Reclaiming my time. That I sent you way back when. Reclaiming my time. Give me the answer to my question. Reclaiming my time. Don't open your mouth again. Yeah, reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming, reclaiming, reclaiming. Reclaiming my time. All of my time. Oh.